Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Matthew 24, I'm going to look at verse 37, and just so that you know where we're going, we're going to stop at verse 44, and then we'll pray today. But as the days of Noah were, don't worry if you're reading Noe in your KJV, talking about Noah here, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as In the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. One shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. And as one looks over to wipe the sweat from her brow, one shall be taken and the other one left. Watch therefore for ye, ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, He would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Drawn from early in the text, I want to preach about as the days of Noah were. I I believe the Lord's going to help us. I'm going to give you my... Objective right out of the gate today. This is my objective. Broadly and narrow at the same time. We must obey the word of God. We must obey the word of God. He said, if you knew when the thief was coming, If you knew he was coming at 3 a.m., you'd go to sleep from 10 to 2.30. And then you'd get up and turn your lights on at 2.30. You'd have the police sitting there in front of the house. But you don't know when the thief is coming. He said, and neither do you know when the Lord shall return. But as the twinkling of an eye, there is coming a day soon. When the Lord shall return for his church, he shall receive unto himself a glorious church, a church that is without spot and without blemish, a church that has prepared herself as a bride prepares herself for the bridegroom. Oh, I want to be in that number. Oh, I want to be in that number. I want to be in that number when the saints. Would you... Would you lift your hands and lift your voices and would you pray all over this house? 
Come on, let everyone pray. Let everyone pray. Help us, God. Help us, God. Help us, God. We need the help of the Holy Ghost here today. Oh, we cannot do it without you, Lord. We cannot do it without you, Lord. Speak to us, oh God. Praise God. You may be seated here today. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. New England is famous for its ports and the brave soldiers who hailed from places like Bar Harbor and Portsmouth, and Boston, Newport, Vineyard Haven, Gloucester. Such sailors throughout the ages, rough, tough men routinely said goodbye to their loved ones. When they sailed along, they sailed not without fear, but with courage into the deep and the icy waters in search of fish at times, in search of fame at times, fortune, and at times just for adventure. Among these things, these men had to endure. They feared certain things more than others. And at the top of the list among the fear that filled the mind and the heart of a man who had braved these icy waters, none seemed to register higher than that of a derelict vessel. You might see on the screen behind me if they can play the imagery of a vessel that has been abandoned by its crew at a high sea. It having no moorings and since it was drifting, it did not operate by any sense of rules for there was no longer a captain or a crew on vessel. It was free and it was uncommitted. When a ship loses its captain and loses its ability to be governed, it becomes not only a danger to itself, but a danger to the others who are still trying to navigate through the storm. The term derelict was subsequently used to depict a person or a culture that lacked discipline and direction. At first glance, I think, ladies and gentlemen, we might all agree that a life free from restraint, rules, and responsibilities might be appealing. And some of you in here even spent a season of time where that was your mantra. You called it sowing your wild oats. We called it God have mercy. <laughs> How does such reasoning play out in practical terms Allow me to remind you of some truths that you already know. Suppose, for example, we applied the concept that there are no absolutes or rules necessary to something like our roads and our highways. How comfortable would you be if the average driver was not held to stop signs? If stop signs and yields and merges were optional up to the interpretation as they seem to be already... For some, what if people could just pick and choose which side of the street they would drive on? They've just come back from a foreign country and they enjoyed vacation so much. They'll just drive on the left side of the road. To which we would say, please go back. We would all certainly have more freedom and more options, but fewer people would be living to talk about it. 
fewer people would be around because we have found out as a culture and we have found out as families and we have found out as individuals that when anything goes, everything goes. People, groups, nations with no moorings not only have but will continue to be dangerous. If we consider one of the darkest chapters in our human history and we think through the Holocaust, World War II ravaged many nations and people groups, but in the middle of the atrocities, a few brave men and women executed daring plans to rescue their fellow human beings. One such man by the name of Oskar Schindler, although a German and a member of the Nazi party himself, he proposed a plan of escape for Jews from Nazi Germany. He ran in ammoware uh, and ammunition factories in occupied Poland. Using political connections and money, he obtained permission to relocate his factories. Many of the Jewish people who worked for him were thereby saved from being captured. Some estimate that he saved uh, over 1,200 Jews during the Holocaust. Uh, the Jews saved, uh, obtained their freedom by following a plan by Schindler that had been put in place. Ladies and gentlemen, rules are not made to be broken. We need guide rails. We need restrictions. But yet my 40 years of living for God have found that sometimes his restrictions are quite restrictive. <laughs> Shocking. There are times when the grace of God does not feel like Grace. I would submit to you today that we are living in a world that is not only awkward because of the atrocities that have, that have hit us due to our lack of governance, but I would tell you we are living in an odd age of the church because we have taken grace and turned it into something that does not really view biblical precedent. Grace is not live however. Grace is not do whatever you desire and just allow the grace of God to cover you. I do not want my, my preaching to sound stern or hard, but I do want it to sound biblical. The grace of God is the word of God. It is the, it is the precept upon precept. Line upon line. It is the here a little. It is the there a little. Do you recognize that sometimes grace is packaged in thou shalt not? Thou shalt not is often the restrictive Reasoning to keep you in a place so that thou shalt. Thou shalt not kill so that thou shalt stay out of jail. 
Thou shalt not commit adultery so that she shall not kill thee. I need guardrails. I need restrictions. I need timeless truths that can speak to my life. Because I have found like you the same way that a wearied sailor might be fearful of a derelict vessel that is guided only by the stormy seas of life. Those who have no governance typically destroy others. You don't need anyone in your life that has no restrictions in theirs. I'm going to say something right now that might sound strong, but I want you to hear me. Your commission first and foremost is to save yourself and save your family. Save yourself and save your family and let that be the call of God. If you have another derelict vessel that continues to float cautiously close to your family, you need to be weary of that. Noah found grace in the eyes of God, in the sight of God. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Genesis, the sixth chapter. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 6 says, It repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And if that wasn't enough, it grieved him at his heart. Please hear this very clearly. Unrestrained life grieves God. Just lest you think that that's mixed up, I read to you from Matthew first because this is not simply an Old Testament principle. Unrestrained life grieves God because there is no way for an unrestrained life to lead to eternal greatness. When the flesh is involved, bad things happen. Nudge your neighbor and tell him, you know that's true. The Lord decided that he would destroy. He said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Man and beast and creeping thing, the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me. God said, I turn from it. God forbid that he ever have to turn from us. But the Bible says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. He was a just man. He was perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. I try to teach ministers, and, and, and I, want to, I want every saint in here to hear this right now. It is one thing to live for God. It is another thing to walk 
with God. And it is his desire that we walk with him. That we be in sync, in harmony with him. How did Noah find grace? Because he was a just man. He was perfect in his generations. I want to key in on that. He was just and perfect in his generations. I would tell you today, I believe our generation right now is similar to his. Technology is different. Geography is different. Sin is the same. The greatest convenience to some people during the pandemic was that they could not visit the, the lascivious places. Ladies and gentlemen, our world is crumbling. The church has never needed to be more clear about who we are. Someone said you need to be seeker sensitive. I don't want to be seeker sensitive. Someone said you need to be a place where sinners feel comfortable. I don't find that in the text. I want to be a church where everyone feels welcome. But I don't want sinners to feel comfortable. If you're here today and there is anything that is keeping you from being ready for heaven for the one that is soon to return as a thief in the night, I'm going to pull the rule book out and tell you there is nothing worth your soul. There is nothing worth your soul. Noah, there is nothing worth your family. There is no job worth your family. There is no job worth your eternity. There is no woman. There is no man. There, there is no alcohol. There is no addiction. There is no website. There is nothing worth your soul. I want you to be happy here, but I need you to be holy here because we're trying to get from earth to heaven. Somebody say, that's the goal. I got to preach to you like a pastor today and tell you, you can't live with sin in your life. If there's anything wrong, you got to repent or God will repent you. If there be anything in me. And that's how Noah was living. Noah was living above the generation. Because don't we all hear this all the time? Well, everybody. Everybody thinks that's okay. Not everybody. Don't loop me in with everybody. Everybody thinks it's okay to do that now. I know the elders didn't, but everybody. Not everybody. Turn to your neighbor and tell them not everybody. I'm doing this until some, I've said it four times now. I'm trying to say that enough until some of you talk to more than just your spouse. Here's what I'm convinced of. If you can't talk to people you come to church with, I know you don't witness to people you don't go to church with. That's true. 
Noah found grace. You know why I found grace? Because he lived like nobody. They were living perverse. How do you know? He's about to kill them all with a flood. The water he separated, he's going to put back in place. He's going to break up the spell, the, 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 the wells from deep under. It's going to spring up. He's going to bring it from above and below. I want that when it's his blessing, but not his cursing. He's about to destroy it all. But Noah found grace in the eye. Oh, I want to find grace. I want to find grace. I want to tell you my personal prayer. I pray that God can look all over this city and all over our community and that he can find people everywhere and he can find churches everywhere that are doing his perfect will. But if he cannot, I pray this. I pray every time that his direction is turned towards Calvary, if he sees chaos down Fletcher, if he sees chaos over on Michigan, if he sees chaos down on Ohio Street, if he sees chaos down at the courthouse, if if he sees perversion everywhere else, I don't care if he goes to the east side or the north side or the west side. Or the, I want him to look at 902 and say, they're going to find grace in my sight because they are not changing from the absolute truth. But let us be honest with one another. It is not, it is not an easy thing to be a just man in a perverse world. It's easy to act like a just man. It's a little tougher when you're dealing with the one who knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Because the just appearance of you, how y'all doing? How are you? The inside of you, God, I don't know if I can do this one more week. I just about hit him in the face. Yes, I just about... I just about clawed her. Come on, ladies. I just about wore her out. And then we walk in here. Hey, hey, hey. Praise the Lord. How you doing? How you doing? Oh, I'm too blessed to be stressed. That's how I'm. I'm too blessed to be stressed. How many know it's easier to say it? But he was a just man. And he found grace. My trouble with grace is grace was a building program. God, I found grace. Wrap me up in your love and your favor. I bet you're going to shower with me with blessings. I am Noah. Get to work. Come again, God. Speak to my good ear, Lord. Speak. (laughs) Speak, Lord. Because I'm going to tell you, there there are times that I have heard God speak, and I even heard him speak clear. And I ask him if I miss the interpretation. Because what he told me to do does not match up with my interpretation of grace. Grace was not God building 
the boat. Grace was God giving Noah the plans to do it himself. I need to say this very clearly on this Sunday morning. We are never, ever, ever going to, as long as we're in this world, be raptured from the need to work hard for the kingdom of God. To build the kingdom, it will always cost us. Dads, moms, if we're going to build something worth saving our families, man, I feel like preaching right now. If we're going to build something worth saving our families, we're going to have to tediously, one board by board by board by board, we're going to have to figure out how to drag that thing to the location and we're going to have to put it in its place and then we're going to have to tirelessly walk back and follow the plans and measure it out and not build it based on our specifications. God did a lot more than just telling him go for wood. God gave him the cubits. God gave him the cubits. He let him know the cubit, it's, it's roughly 18 inches, but it had a tendency to vary a little bit. God is specific enough with you to let you build what you need for your family at your time. A just man may walk by faith, but he's got to walk. He's got to move. And so Noah, you got to get out there. And, and, and when I try to look at the chronological order of it all, and I try to understand it all, I've been taught my whole life people were walking by Moses. And Moses is begging them to get in the boat. Moses is, I know that the, the, the Bible later would call him that, that he is that, that, that preacher of righteousness. But, but you're going to be hard pressed to find a bunch of scripture in here where it tells you that Noah's trying to save everybody else. Hard truth. Let's focus on our family. Let's work on who God has given us. Noah said, I want you to build it for your family. Build it for them animals, yeah. But you get out there and you keep building. Yeah, but what if none of my friends do? Who cares? What about your boys? What about them girls? Yeah, wait, wait, wait a minute, though. God, this is costing me an awful lot. It'll cost you a lot more if you don't listen. Can I just, let me get, get just good old school preaching for a little bit. You will never give up anything that compares to one moment in glory. There's not... I do not feel restricted by the fact that I cannot be an alcoholic. I do not feel restricted by the fact that I don't dress like the world and live like the world and talk. I'm going to preach right now for a second. I need some Pentecostals in the room that'll help me. I do not feel restricted that I got to get the old gospel under my arm and walk sometimes by myself, sometimes when no one else is around, and just start building what I know God has called me to build. 
I'm not going to feel bad about doing devotion at my house. I'm not going to feel bad about talking in tongues in my home. I don't care if my neighbors do it. I can't help it if nobody else wants to get down with it. But this is what God has called me to build. He was a righteous man. He was a just man. So he was entrusted with a building project. What can God trust you with? Because I fear that we have gotten to a place in a generation that we interpret the grace of God as a once upon a time children's fantasy. I'm in the grace of But what do you, how do you, like, what's your lifestyle? I just got grace. It's just grace. Come on. Come on. Like a little girl in a sundress, you got no care. No worry. I'm going to tell you the grace of God will cost you. The grace of God will cost you. The grace of God will cost you to pull your family off even if it feels like it's by itself and build the kingdom of God. The grace of God will cost you college students, you listen to me right now. The grace of God does not look, oh, what can I say? I'm gonna go ahead and say it. The grace of God does not look like trying to win an entertainer of the year award. We need our pulpits full of fire. We need our pulpits full of conviction. We need our leaders. I'm going to preach to the leaders for a second. If you're going to be a leader in this church, we got to toe the line. We got to be godly. We got to be holy. It is not out of date. It is not out of fashion. Why are you preaching like that? We're trying to build something that will last because the storms are not coming. The storms are here. We're not waiting on raindrop. It is already begin to thunder. The leaves turned a long time ago. And I believe that God is about to return for the church. And I'm saying we got to save everybody we can while there's time. And if we will get, if we will get concerned about our families. When Ham doesn't feel like building, I don't care. Get a hammer. When Shem ain't feeling it, I don't feel like working today. I don't care. As long as you live in my ark. <laughs> Man, I think I'm just so mad at hell. I'm just so mad at hell. I'm just, I'm just so frustrated with hell. Parents, Let's be parents. Let's be godly. Let's be righteous. Let's be apostolic. Mom, I don't feel like going to church. I said that one time too. There are unique situations and I understand. I'm having a little bit of fun, but I'm trying to get a big point across right here. While they were building that heart, they were building their future. Mom, when those kids hear you at midnight praying outside their door, 
They may never talk about it. But you give them about five years. You give them about 10 years. I've lost track of how many testimonies of people saying, I can remember hearing my mom. I can remember hearing her lay outside the door, praying over my life. She was pleading the blood over my life. I'd be laying in my bed, crying warm tears, telling God, I don't want to live this way. Dad, I don't want to build. Bubba, this is bigger than how you feel. This is bigger than whether or not it makes you happy. It's about preparing. It's about preparing something that is sustaining. We know that for centuries, the ark has been likened unto the church, that the church would be the keeping. How many of you ever heard that? Have you ever heard this statement that, that, that they're beyond the ark of safety right now? How many have heard the statement? You've heard it so many times you've lost track probably that the church on its worst day is better what? See if you can finish it. It's better than the world. So Ariel, we, 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 may, know, we may know that, but in real time, in real time, it doesn't make the labor more taxing. But I'm here to crush this idea that grace is you just do whatever you want. Just the grace of God. Oh, I'm going to tell you what I've heard people. I'm gonna, you've heard. I've heard it too, so I'll say it so you don't have to. Oh, we don't, we don't have to live any certain way. That's what the grace of God is for. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But so you're, so you're saying it's okay to sleep around? Oh, no, I won't go that far. I, but the grace of God. You know, there's people living for God. Like you put your right foot in. You put your right foot in and you shake it off. The grace of God, it will cover and it will be sufficient. But the grace of God will give you the strength to build. The grace of God will give you the eyesight to follow the plans. The grace of God will give you the helpers around you to help gather some animals and help I'm going to say this, the grace of God can be uncomfortable. <laughs> the grace of God will call you to say, wait a minute, I'm in the world, but I'm not. Because here's my question to everybody thinks that the grace of God allows them to live any way they would want to live. And I thank God for his grace. But if you love the world so much, why would you ever want to leave? We must get back to the mentality that we, 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 we deal with earth, but we are not citizens of earth. How many remember that? How many remember the way you were raised? You were raised talking about heaven, singing about heaven, preaching about heaven, conversations were about heaven. Now everybody is scared to death to die. 
I'm going to tell you what I told Sister Glore in the hospital last night when we prayed and the peace of God moved in. She said, Pastor, I'm not ready for him to go. She said, I think I'd just as soon go with him. And Brother Lopez was with me. He can tell you without missing a beat. I looked at her and said, Sister Glore, I'm going to tell you the truth. I wish he'd call me right now because I'm ready to go meet him too. I'm ready to go to heaven, but there must be a little something for us to do still. I want to live. I want to build with heaven in mind. I do not I do not want to be intoxicated with this world. I do not want to live overwhelmed and intoxicated with the things of this world. I don't want to be like this world. I don't want to talk like this world. I don't want to I don't I don't want to live this way. So as long as I'm here, even if people tell me I'm crazy, I don't know if they told him he was nuts, but I'm sure they did. I can read that there was mocking. You wouldn't have to go very far to find people that would mock us. Who in this room's ever been mocked for living for God? Raise your hand real high. Look at you. Look at you. Silly. You so silly. You're so silly for loving God. And that happened. You, so, you don't need to go to church that much. How many have been told that? I've been told that. I told people I was going to church and I've had people say, again? But the guy and I, people look at me and say, how many times do you go? But you know what? I ain't spent a dollar on alcohol all week. The greatest high I've had all week was in intercession. I am not apologetic that while you're building the bar tab, I'm building the kingdom. I am not apologetic about that. He is a God that gave me the grace to free me from addiction and deliver me from sin and pull the unrighteousness. I want to be a man of righteousness. I want to be a man of godliness. And I want your family to do the same. So I want this to be a church that's comfortable, but I want it to be a church where deliverance occurs. I want, people, I want people to be able to climb on here, animals and all. Because some of us stink more than we want to admit. <laughs> Don't worry, you're the sons and daughters. You're the sons and daughters. You're the sons. What if no one else comes? <sighs> but what if we save our? What if we, what if we build it just right? What, what if we measure it out just right? What if we do it just, no, it'd be a, it'd be a lot easier if you just went ahead and took that corner. I, I don't think, no, 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 no. This is not time. We've been building this for so long. We're not going to cut corners now. I'm going to tell you as a pastor, this is a day and age where there is great pressure to cut corners, but there are no corners to be cut from this gospel. This, it's got to start with faith. And I'm telling you right now, 
Faith is on attack like it's never been. There are splinters in faith like there never have been before. You don't need faith. Faith is restrictive. No, faith is limitless. Ah, your faith, your faith is what binds you. Your, your faith is what keeps you from living the way you want to. No, 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 no. My faith is what lets me live the way I want to. You know the worst days of my life is when my faith is low? The worst days of your life is when you can't decide what you want to be. If you will make up your mind to be a man or a woman of faith, you always keep faith. You just keep faith because you know it is a critical element to building. It's also not bad to swing if the enemy comes to you. You keep faith. I hear people start with repentance. Repentance is not the first step. Faith is. You cannot repent without faith. You cannot repent without faith. Must believe that God is. In the beginning, God. My faith says, yeah, but our government's... My faith says, yeah, but our, our leaders... My faith said, yeah, but the leader of our PTA at the school has to... Our... My faith says it does matter. You know what my faith says? My faith says, unless I get my faith involved, my word has nowhere to rest. I have no application. Unless, if I dismiss faith, I cannot carry it. I cannot apply it. But if I will get faith, then I take my faith and I mix it up the same way that Noah had to take one board and apply it. I take my, I take my faith and then I can get my repentance where I need it to be because the books of 1 Peter and 2 Peter would later, later tell us about Noah and give us a little insight into what he was really doing. I want you to turn there. Turn to 1 Peter, if you will. Help us out with 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3, Hebrews 11 and 7 said that Noah was the heir of righteousness by faith. You got to have faith to build when no one else wants to help. You got to have faith to build if nobody else understands what you're doing. You got to have faith to build for a flood when a flood is not yet a thing. Do you know that the rapture is not yet a thing? The catching away of the church is not yet a thing, but like a thief in the night, he is coming for the church. How many of you still believe the Lord will return again? That with a loud blast, that Gabriel is going to sound the whole, I, I still watch for the eastern sky. The only reason I'm not ready is because there's so many lost. If you ask me my opinion, I'm ready, Lord Jesus, come now. And for anybody in the room that you still, you got stuff ahead of you, you're like, I ain't got married yet. Some of you remember praying those prayers. I've never drove yet. Some of us are way past that and we're like, come on. Come on. Because I would cash in driving for walking on streets of gold. And I would, I love my, I love that woman with every fiber of my being. But I'll take the marriage supper of the Lamb any day. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. 
I've been building my whole life for this. One of the greatest revivals in this church's history was let's go to heaven, Indy. Anybody around long enough to remember that? Was anybody here for that? Bought billboards around the city? Let's go to heaven, Indy. First Peter chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, which sometime were disobedient. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the, the what? The answer. The answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Read verse 22. Who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Thank God for the ark of the New Testament where eight souls were saved by water. He said, but I've given you a plan. You are not without plan because there's grace. There is still work to do. But now what happened for them? And I put a bow in the cloud. Forgive me, but I'm problem. I, I, am, I, am, I, I am irritated at the very minimum that the rainbow is something we can't even use. I'm going to preach on that for a second. That's a lie from hell, acting like you can't even use the primary colors anymore because some... I know nobody preaches like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. We, are, we have a promise. We have a covenant from God. <clears throat> so I got my faith. But what happens? What first Peter say? They were saved. We're saved by water too. Some of you remember the, the message where I, I brought this old hammer that was found up in the, in the rafters of this building, and I don't want to hit it too hard. It's, it's aged and it's weathered. But this repentance and baptism message that this built is still the board we're applying here. I got to have faith. I got to have repentance. I got to have baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, I wish I could get about a couple hundred witnesses that would be able to say there was nothing like when I went down in the water of baptism and every one of my sins was washed away and was remitted. Why do you need that if you've got the grace of God? Because that's the plan of the grace of God. The grace of God was a plan to follow. Have faith, repent of your sins, and then be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm glad he did not leave me where he found me. 
I'm glad that grace came with a plan. I'm glad that his grace was able to not just find me in despair. And aren't you glad that he found you not just in despair, but he was able to say, I'm going to take you for, I'm going to pull you along just a little bit. Now, some of you have different levels of faith that were developed along the way, but you had a little faith developed along the way. For some of you, it was easy. You grew up repenting. For others of you in this room, repentance was a... Because you knew repentance meant sliding cigarettes back across... For some of you, you knew repentance meant you couldn't beat people up anymore. We're thankful. For some of you, repentance meant you had to stop stepping out. But aren't you glad that his grace did not say, oh, just live the same old way, feel the same old depression, feel the same old bondage, live the same old way, and just pretend that everything is fine. His grace is sufficient to get you from where you are to where you're supposed to be headed. And it takes you from faith to repentance. And you came and you cried warm tears onto the carpet of an altar. And you said, God, I can't do this by myself. But if you'll help me, I want to be right. If you'll help me, I want to be righteous. I'm going to say something right now. Whether you've been in church for five minutes or 50 years, you have not graduated from the altar. You have not graduated. Not from the altar. Whether you make an altar in your pew or an altar down front, every now and then you got to turn around and kneel. Every now and then you just got to step out of your pew. Well, I can't get down there because the college kids beat me. Or I, I can't get down there because the teenagers beat me. We just beat them. Just mess with everybody. Sometime at the beginning of the message, just step out of your pew and just walk right down just go ahead and put your faith in action and come down and join it with repentance and begin to repent of your sin. And when we repent of our sin, how many found that when you repented of your sin and you begin to weep tears in the presence of God, it didn't, it didn't restrict you, it liberated you. It liberated, I want somebody to come pray with him right now, brother. Brother Friendly, come pray with him right now. I got to meet him yesterday. This is who we are. This is not embarrassing. This is not overwhelming. This is liberating. You don't have to live in sin. You don't have to live lost. You don't have to live overwhelmed. The grace of God means work. Faith without works is dead. I've got to come here and I've got to say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. And I've got to repent. I've got to be baptized. And I've got to receive the Holy Ghost. If you're here today, stand with me. If you're here today and you've had the Holy Ghost for 50 plus years, you hear me right now, you need the grace of God. If you're here and this is your first service, you hear me, you need the grace of God. I want us to lift our hands all over this building. Whew. I feel like there's some more that need to run to the altar right now and repent of your sins. Or ask God to build your faith. Come on, there's something happening. If you're here today and you've never been baptized, woo, you've never been baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Woo. I need some moms and dads that will come together and say, we're going to build the ark in our house. We're going to have a gospel home. We're going to have a saving marriage. 
I'm going to say that again. We're going to have a saving marriage. We're going to have a saving marriage. I'm asking everybody in the building to lift your voices and pray real loud right now. I want everybody that's trying to pray to feel comfortable. You may be a first time visitor. If you feel compelled to come to this front and begin to pray, I want you to feel the liberty to do that. You might even need to ask your neighbor, do you want me to pray with you? Can I pray with you about something right now? to build. What's deterring me from building? What's keeping me from building? Is there anything keeping me from obedience to the Word of God? Maybe it's an attack against your your marriage, man, I keep coming back to that this morning. I, build anyway. Build anyway. You cannot afford to be a derelict vessel. You cannot, you cannot afford to keep the instruction of God off of your life. Come on, let's lift our voices all over this. If you don't really know what to pray right now, I'm asking you to pray, God, evaluate my life. Help me to be obedient to your word. Help me to apply work to grace. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith.